How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Now, today, and I know we're at the end of January, in the dead of winter, but I want to discuss what is arguably the most difficult skill to master in all of sports, that of hitting a baseball. Or as the, the old saying goes, learning how to hit a round ball with a round bat and do it squarely. <laughs> and just as difficult as hitting a baseball is actually trying to teach the proper techniques to a youngster who is learning how to play baseball or for this perhaps even softball. You know, when I grew up playing baseball, every kid had a copy of an old book called Ted Williams' The Science of Hitting. And I know I read that book dozens and dozens of times growing up. The problem was Ted's techniques really didn't apply to me. I mean, for starters, Ted was 6'4 and left-handed, and I was maybe six foot and right-handed. And yet I still followed his advice. After all, it was Ted Williams. You know, he told people to drop your back shoulder, take a long and full level swing. But the truth be told, it was not good hitting advice for me. And don't get me wrong, I was still able to progress to become a top hitter at uh, in high school at Edgemont High School in Scarsdale, New York, where Quite frankly, I held hitting records for years. But the truth is, like so many high school players who have really good stats, I thought I was something special. And it wasn't until I was in the college summer leagues in the Atlantic Collegiate Baseball League, the ACBL, that hitting coach Al Goldus got a hold of me and said, Rick, if you want to hit against really good pitching, you're going to have to totally reinvent your batting stroke, which I did. It took me years. But thanks to Al, who went on to become a Hall of Fame uh, baseball scout, I improved my swing enough to become drafted by the Detroit Tigers. But enough of my memory lane. We're going to talk about hitting today because hitting is so difficult, not just physically, but obviously mentally as well. My special guest this morning is the hitting coach for the Chicago Cubs. Anthony Iapose is is most familiar with New York baseball because he grew up in Queens. He played at Bishop McClancy High School. And then he played baseball at, at Lamar University in Texas. And as an outfielder in pro ball, played numerous seasons in the minors, and when he finished, he found his calling as a hitting coach, and for the past three seasons, he served in that role with the Texas Rangers, and now this offseason, he was hired by the Cubs. Anthony, good morning. Good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Anthony, it's my pleasure, and uh, boy, oh boy, I'm looking forward to talking to you today, and um, such an important topic. And look, I know you do a lot of speaking events, talking to both kids and parents and coaches about the art of hitting, so let's get into this. I mean, what, what from your perspective, again, from the younger groups, uh, younger ages, what's, what's the best way to teach kids today how to hit? I think it's such a challenge uh, in today's game, uh, especially with the amateur level, with travel ball and little league and, and uh, instructors and academies and, 
And uh, I used to live in Northwest Indiana and work at a training facility with John Maley's pro style, who is not a hitting coach of the Phillies. Um, and we used to do 60, 70 lessons a week. You know, I did that for about nine or 10 years during the winter. And at that time, you really learn um, about hitting, but really kind of more learn about people and learn about uh, the kids are going to tell you everything they that what they what they do as far as uh, the first thing you learn is, is anything you want to be good at. It's got to be a fun environment, and the, and the kids have to love it, right? Uh-huh. The more fun they have and the more passion they have, the quicker they learn, right? And, and everybody wants to learn faster and develop faster. For, so for the first thing, in, in whether it's hitting or baseball, Little League, travel organization, whatever it is, it has to be such a fun and enthusiastic environment for kids to learn in. And I think we take for granted that when we watch these we, hitters on TV and hitters around – around the world and how good they are is how passionate they are about just playing. Uh, the best players in the league are, are the guys who still play like they're 12 years old. They truly enjoy everything about uh, hitting and not just in the game. It's their tee work. It's their video work. It's their scouting work. They just generally enjoy the whole day about hitting. So um, I think we've kind of lost a little bit, especially at the amateur level. When we're talking about kids, it's really mastering simplicity of hitting, you know, trying to keep it as simple as possible for kids uh, who are out there trying to work on their swing and be better ball players. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, let's talk about a kid. I mean, and obviously you said you, you spent uh, a lot of time working with young kids, uh, you know, Indiana and, and, and talking with kids who maybe are nine, 10, 11, 12 year old, you know, they're just getting into baseball. They're just beginning to understand the rules of the sport and how to, to, to master the basic skills. And we all know that hitting is tough, and obviously for a youngster, there's that added concern where they're just starting out of uh, the fear of getting hit by a pitch. Uh, but the fact is that it is difficult, and, and it's, it's in this day and age of instant gratification for kids, uh, as you say, just getting down back to the basics, and there's so many different ways to teach hitting. That's another concern. But what, are the, what do you think is the biggest concern or biggest misunderstanding that parents and coaches have today what they don't really get about teaching kids how to hit? I think first is your means of communication from the parent or for the instructor. You can't treat every kid the same. You know, they're from different backgrounds, different neighborhoods, uh, how they respond to information, how they absorb information, how they respond to, con- to corrective criticism. You know, do they get defensive? Um, like you said, it's, it's uh, instant gratification. Baseball is definitely in hitting. is definitely not instant gratification. It's a, it's a patient game in an impatient society. So as instructors and as parents who the parents are going to be the instructors uh, at the lower levels at 9 and 10, you have to be so patient and encourageable because hitting is such a, such a failure thing. You know, it's, it's uh, the most <laughs> the thing you can fail at in professional sports, you know. So it's how, how the kids embrace that and learn that at a special age are the ones who progress faster and, and go on to play longer. Um, I think a lot of times as parents or, or young coaches, even young players, you know, we're chasing velocity, we're chasing how far we can hit the ball, we're chasing the power, and then we kind of lose sight of, of the game. Like baseball is a game. Uh, I got to beat the pitcher. I got to get good pitches to hit. I got to use the whole field. The guy who barrels the ball up and gets the most hits is going to play the most. Um, and I think sometimes we lose sight of that. And as kids go up and the pitching gets better, I think sometimes we would develop the one-plane swing for power and we're losing sight of uh, getting the ball and hitting it hard and just, you know, mastering that line drive through the middle of the field on the outfield grass and, and taking step-by-step progression from there. 
Well, let's talk about that for a second because, uh, you know, Anthony, uh, we know that, that these cycles come and go. Uh, right now in recent years the, at the major league level, there's been a tremendous emphasis upon power and guys, you know, with bad angles and this kind of stuff. But, you know, kids come in all different sizes and shapes, and they eventually grow up to ballplayers in different sizes and shapes. When you, when you first encounter a, a hitter, whether he's a, a youngster at the, uh, at the Little League level or somebody even in pro ball, uh, I'm sure the first thing you look at is say, well, this kid is, is uh, small, like, a, you know, physically stature, like a Jose Otuve, he's, you know, 5'4", five, 5'5". Five, five. He's going to have a different approach to hitting as opposed to a guy like, like a Chris Bryant who's 6'4". I mean, I think sometimes, I think parents and coaches today lose sight of the fact that, you know, you have to sort of, you know, work with whatever kind of skills you were been given uh, because of, of your of your physical size and stature. Is that something that that you take into consideration, or that or coaches should take in consideration at the youth level? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you're talking about you know we name big league players like you just said as an example. Like I saw Altuve the last three years, and and I coached Chris before. They're like the fiercest competitors in the major leagues. You know, they're willing to to do anything for to help the team win and and to battle within the at bat. But I think, I think the first thing you got to do is, is just like really get to know the individual and the kid, you know, and, and what they like. I think the first thing I do, like when I was coordinating for the Cubs uh, and for the Blue Jays, you're in charge of, you know, over 100 hitters from Venezuelan Academy at the time, the guys who were going up to the big leagues and, and triple A, double A, single A, and you're learning uh, everybody works hard. You know, everybody takes a tons of swings and then you're telling guys the same thing and you're wondering why is this guy better than the next player? Uh-huh. Um, and so you're trying to figure out what they do and you spend all this time figuring out what they do, but then you realize it's not what they do, it's how they do it and how they think about doing it. Um, it's not the drill or the routine that, 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 and that makes the player so good. It's what he's thinking about as he's doing it uh, during that process that he improves faster whatever thought that may be. Um, I think, I think we're in a, in a society, like we're, we're telling people what to do. Here's a drill package, but we're not asking them what they're thinking about or teaching them how to think about the game or their swing. So if I have a nine year old in the cage and the kid walks in the cage and, and I'm doing a lesson with them, the first thing I'm doing is, is um, I'm getting information, you know, who's your favorite player? Why? And even with major league players, you ask them who their favorite player is. <laughs> There's still something in their swing, their stance. You know, even at 25, 30 years old, you know, the, you learn, not actually, you learn stuff from instructors, you know, by going in the cage, but you learn by emulating major league players on TV. You're, you're sitting at home with a whiff ball bat, watching TV, emulating players. You're in your backyard, three and two, two outs, you know, um, game on the line. So you're doing all these things. So kids, for the most part, I think naturally, uh, learn their swing through watching TV and then hopefully meet a, an instructor down the road that's going to harness that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but those are the things you're asking. Then it's we're talking about grip. We're talking about staying square with your feet, staying straight, uh, keeping your hands by your shoulder, staying compact, you know, just trying to really simplify it and not get away um, to where they're overthinking to where it's, you know, paralysis by analysis, where they're thinking too much and then you, you, you can't function, you know. Well, I, uh, we're talking this morning with Anthony Iapose, who is the uh, New York's own. He's, he's a hitting coach for the Chicago Cubs, and, and obviously has a lot of information to share with with uh, young baseball players and and uh, and coaches and everybody else. Uh, and it's just fascinating to me. And um, 
Anthony, I do want to get in, obviously, into the mental side because obviously there's so many, so many factors, so many variables that go into hitting a baseball and learning it the right way, and yet kids come at it from different directions. It's just it's fascinating to me to hear you talk about when you talk to even major league hitters about who they idolize or who they sort of uh, tried to map their style and approach to hitting. Uh, all right, let me do this. Let me take a time out. Uh, when I come back after Dave Uram's update, uh, open the phone lines at one 337 6666 And if you have questions or thoughts or whatever for Anthony, I'll be sure to take as many calls as we can. But first, uh, we'll take this short time out. And back here on the Sports Edge, uh, this morning we're talking hitting. We're talking with the Chicago Cubs hitting coach, Anthony Oposé. And Anthony, uh, before we, we had took a break there, I was asking you about, you know, kids learning the game at a young age. And since we all know that hitting is so difficult to master, and it, it, it's so, uh, these days there, there seems to be uh, so many ways to approach it. Uh, what would you advise, uh, you know, coaches, youngsters, they're learning the game of baseball, uh, you just teach them the basics of hitting in terms of the stroke, in terms of their stance, in terms of what bat to use. What, what kind of advice would you give them as the kids begin, begin to evolve into whatever kind of hitting stroke they want to they want to pursue? Yeah, I think even talking about the bat or what bat to use, it's, it gets complicated for parents. I mean, I, I go to the sport goods store and look at the bats, and even I get overwhelmed at time looking at all the bats and the gloves <laughs> and what to you know and and what to recommend for parents or kids, especially you know as they go from you know twelve to fifteen, how right. strong they are, what type of swing they have, you know. Well, let me ask you this: do you, do, how do, they sell products? Do you, you have? Know, I mean, we know that the kids in the youth level. Uh, I mean, little league still allows kids to use aluminum bats. Most other right. leagues, of course, have gone to composite, uh, you know, uh, BB core, and of course, there's wood. Did you advocate that the kids starting out when they're 9, 10, 12 years old to use wood or, or to use Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely because you know, at the end at the end of it if your dream or your goal is to play professional baseball, you're going to be using wooden bats. So, it's a great training tool. It's a little bit heavier. Um there's less room for error, right? So, mm-hmm. we're tra- we're training with crazy thick aluminum bats to where, you know, you get it off the hands and you're you're able to smoke balls into the outfield with wood. It's going to give you instant feedback. Uh, how hard and, and, and how small a sweet spot really is mm-hmm. to harness your swing to make it more efficient to stay in the zone longer, to stay through the ball longer, uh, to make more quality contact with the wooden bat. So so I definitely recommend um, wooden bat for kids as, as soon as they start swinging. Now, let me ask you this. We all know that at the major league level, again, that, that's, the of course, the, the, the top of the pyramid. Uh, video is used a lot, uh, you know, for, for every every pro hitter looks at videotape of their stroke and how they perform against opposing pitchers. At what age would you start saying that video is good to use for for kids learning how to hit a baseball? I think I think it depends on what you're looking at, right? Everything's variable on how good the kid is, how passionate he is, um, how he accepts video. Um, you know, at our level, the, the most of the video guys are looking at themselves a lot, and sometimes you have to you have to talk to the player to get away from his swing a little bit because yep. they could be so consumed with their swing, as you well know. You know, as far as the mental side. They're walking up to the plate thinking their hands, their feet, and then it's boom, 95 strike one. <laughs> and then you're like, all right, let me get my elbow. Boom, strike two, curveball, and third strike three, see you later. And you don't know what happened to you. And then you run to the video room, and you're checking out your swing when it was really your, your thoughts control your swing. So I have to be able to manage my thoughts because the question I always get is how do you, how do you repeat your swing 
Well, you can't repeat your swing if you don't repeat your thoughts. You know, the best players in the game are the best self-talkers. I mean, it's incredible how they talk to themselves and what they think about themselves, even through failure. Well, it's um, funny so you video- mentioned. I mean, I, I remember when I was working with the, the Cleveland Indians uh, as their roving uh, sports uh, psychology coach, and I remember going one day talking to a young uh, Jim Tomei when he was in Double A, and uh, pretty good, yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good ball player, pretty good power. And I said to Jim, "Tell me, when you go to from the you know the on deck circle into the batter's box, what do you do to what, what's going through your head? What what are your what's your thought pattern?" And Jim said to me, "When I go to, to the plate." I consciously clear my mind of any other distractions. I don't want to be thinking about my batting stance. I don't want to be thinking about my elbow. I don't want to be thinking about my last at bat. I just have to clear my head so I can just focus on whether that next pitch, I'm ready for it. It's it's a good pitch or a bad pitch. That's all I focus on. And I think that that sort of dovetails with what you're saying, Anthony. Guys go up to the batter's box and they're thinking about, them. I'm not really focusing on the pitch, and all of a sudden, boom, it's past me, and there goes strike one. Uh, and I think the mental approach is so so critically important with young hitters, and yet I'm not sure that's always taught enough at, at the at the youth level. I think when people hear mental, they get afraid, right? They think something's wrong with the, with the way they think, or mm-hmm. something's wrong with them. But mm-hmm. it's, it's really a it's really like a you know the Carol Dweck growth mindset, positive mindset. How am I going to dominate you? How am I going to dominate the day? And I try to I try to make it clear, like for a player, especially when they're struggling, like take your real life into your hitting and you're hitting into your real life, right? So I think, you know, I, I give examples of, like, when we're teaching kids to walk, we're not telling them to put one foot in the other. We're putting them at one side of the room, and you're enthusiastic, and you're yelling at them, and they're smiling. Next thing you know, they take a couple steps, boom, they start running. And now you don't think about one foot in front of the other, right? If mm-hmm. I go outside and try to work on my walking, and I'm not focused around me, there's a good chance I may get hit by a car because my awareness is low because I'm so focused on the mechanics <laughs> of walking, you know, the other examples I give are like when we're teaching kids to tie their shoelaces, right? It's Luke Brown, tie it around, tighten it, right? And you have to think about the physical mechanics of it. Then eventually it's just straight flow, just like driving. When you're putting your hands over the wheel and you're turning, all that stuff early on, right? You're enthusiastic about learning it. And then you just learn the flow that now you drive somewhere and you don't even know how you get there, you yeah. know, because you, you've, you've mastered the turn. You've mastered the foot pedal, um, but so when a player talks to me about his swing sometimes to really keep him away so he doesn't get too deep in his own head, it's like, hey, if your shoelaces are loose, tighten it. If it's too tight, loosen it. You know, so if your swing feels long, we got to shorten it. If it feels too short, we need some length out in front to get the ball in the air a little bit more. These are the things I, we need to do. Um, so we just try to take your real life when you're hitting and, and you're hitting, you know, into your real life to, to right. kind of simplify and have a, de- a decent perspective on it. Uh, so they don't focus too much on the failure part of it. Let me, uh, we got so many people who want to talk to you, Anthony. Let me get right to the calls here at the one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Let's start our, our calls this morning. Let's go to our friend Ed over in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Uh, Anthony, how you doing? Good morning. Yeah, I, I'm a former college uh, coach for 23 years, and I used to teach the hitting. I think one of the problems today with the younger level, because I hear it all the time, How's my son's launch angle? I mean, I, I did a lesson with a 10-year-old one day, and the father asked me, how's my son's launch angle? I think all that stuff for the younger players is, is ruining kids how to hit because all they want to do is worry about hitting the ball far instead of making contact. What's your feeling on that? Yeah, I agree 100%. So, obviously, that's the first question on the show today is launch angle. And when <laughs> I talk to, you know, I enjoy talking to parents 
and and amateur coaches literally leveled. And the first question that is always asked is, "What do you what do you take on launch angle?" And my my answer is, launch angle is a result. It's not a swing. It's not a launch angle swing. And I think it's it's good in certain uses when we can provide information, especially at the level I'm at, or it's getting into college and high school, and you're able to measure everything. Um, but it, it's been worked on for a long time. It's learning to hit the ball out in front, staying in your legs, learning to pull the ball backspin with true backspin uh, to drive the ball in the outfield. That's been worked on. And now that it's measured, um, I think we've taken it to another level on both ends. It has helped some hitters, but it also has created some damage in some hitters to where they're on the upswing too soon in the back of the zone and create this one-play swing and anything that's sinking or elevated fastball in the big leagues. You know, we're seeing 87, 88-mile-an-hour fastballs at the top of the zone uh, crushing some hitters, right? Because we're just misinterpreting what what launch angle is. It's a result, right? The basis of the swing is to hit the ball as hard as I can. It's a big field. There's three outfielders out there. So I'm trying to hit the ball as hard as I can, line the line. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm at with that. And as the player progresses and you teach them to take chances, three zero, two one, and really be disciplined on getting your pitch to hit and really using as a right-hander, maybe left center and not left field to keep them honest. Um, but there's a balance in that. But I get a lot of texts from friends, uh, kids ask me, what's, what's the average velocity off the bat for a major league player? And I'm like, why? Is that because my nine-year-old being measured? I'm like, dude, <laughs> don't even, don't even worry. You're going to be chasing. It's it crazy with that. You know, oh, I want to chase hit. I want to get hit. And then and they, let me move on. I have lots of I know of you got here. a lot, Rick, but this is a good topic. We should we should do this another time, too, because this is great. So parents understand what, what it's like hitting a baseball. Thanks, Ed. Good talking to you. Anthony, good luck with the Cubs. All right. All right, brother. Thank you. Uh, right. Anthony, i got to ask you very quickly. When you were growing up and you were hitting in your own career, uh, the launch angles, was that, that that's a little before your time? Was that something you were aware of? Oh. Or? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was definitely before. I mean, it's hit the mainstream. Once it hit, you know, once it hit TV, as I was roving with the Cubs, uh, and in my end of years with Toronto, yep. it started to come into play in the organization. Once it hit TV in the mainstream, it took a, it took everything on a whole new level. Now academies are buying, you know, anything that can be measured. Um, so you see it. So you see the physical part of swing. So our first instinct is to attack the swing or attack the launch angle. Um, but it's so overlooked of what's going on on the inside of that kid, even a major league player, because you can't see it and you can't measure a kid's heart or a kid's confidence yet. You know, that may happen 100 years from now once we're able to, to soup them up and how they think. But that's going to tell you everything. I mean, how long they keep their head down in the box. You, uh, you're trying to keep their head up as soon as possible. Um, just positive feedback. And kids today also feel amounts of pressure uh, because they understand their parents are spending. And they'll, they'll talk to the instructor about it or even when I was doing it. They feel so much pressure not necessarily on the parents because they know the parents are spending this amount of money and they're working hard, but yet maybe they don't really like it or maybe they don't understand the competition. Maybe they're afraid of the ball. Like, And it's hard to admit these things when your parents are spending so much money. Now, it affects, I, I, the, sw- it these affects are all, the swing 100%. These are all new pressures that didn't exist in the game 10, 20 years ago. Let's, let's move on. Let's go up to Connecticut to Al. Al, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, gentlemen. Yes. Um, I'm a high school Morning. Uh, I'm a high school girls uh, softball coach, and I also coach travel girls uh, in the summer. And one thing I see in that, you know, in the last 12 years of myself coaching with not just myself but other programs and coaches is that, like in my high school season, I always tell my girls in the beginning of the season, "Hey, listen, I'm not going to tinker with any of your uh, mechanics, 
But if you're not hitting for me, I have to step in. So mm-hmm. the fine line is is like I, I see some girls, not just with me, but with other coaches, they'll say, well, my hitting coach doesn't want me to t- teaches me this way or my travel coach teaches me that way. So, like, you know, I'm not a believer in a, in a, in a, in a player should have to listen to three different coaches. So, like, where's the fine line on where the girl or the boy should, like, who, who should they listen to? That's a like if, it, it, like if they're struggling. That's a great question. It's hectic, man. It's hectic, and even in the professional level, um, you deal with that that stuff. And and even for myself, I'm very sensitive to when I go work with kids in the area, um, and they already have hitting instructors. I'm very sensitive. My first goal is to not to confuse the kid, you know. Right. And it's it's hectic because of what you're talking about. I hear you from that coach, especially at that level. Um, but when the players and it's it stinks because you're playing the game to win, right? You're, you're, you're playing the game to, to win a championship and, and have the kids learn from all these lessons of winning and losing and making out. But yet at the same time, you want your players to, to have fun and be successful. And sometimes you have to let them fail, you know, even if it hurts the team to, to really reel them back in. And that happens to us at the minor league level where guys will go work on stuff with instructors and some will come back fantastic and some will come back we can't we can't reach them until two months in the season where they're really struggling, and then they kind of come come back to it and go, okay, I'll I'll commit. Um, but the heart even even for me when I was doing lessons like all the time in the off season, um, I wasn't there, and I'll, I'll admit it, I wasn't there watching the games. I don't know what the the kids did in the cage, right? They're always right. in the cage for the most part. You're doing flips, you're doing short pitch, but there's no score, there's no heart, there's no heartbeat, there's no anxiety in the box, there's no three and two, two outs in the bottom of the ninth down a couple of runs, which affects right. everything in the swing. Um, you know, I can remember as an instructor getting a call Saturday morning, Anthony, can you meet my son at the cage? He went 0 for 3 last night. And I'm like, no, put him on the phone. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not going in. I'm, not, I, I'm going in anyway, but I'm not going in just because the kid had an 0 for 3, which is, which is probably bad for business. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah, your, job right. get, your job is to get as many clients as possible in. But then I just I think you just create this fear and you're selling fear like you can't do it unless you don't come in the cage with the instructors. So I would just just put your set of door on the phone and just try and talk them off the ledge. I'm like, hey man, this well, go out and play. You've been, you've been doing it your whole life exactly where you want to be. You I think I think what we have to do as coaches and parents and even instructors is we have to make the kids accountable. The the younger they are and the more accountable they are and make make them make decisions about their swing. Yeah, yeah. The better off they are, or else they're just going to blame their instructor, their coach, their manager, their parent. It's right. it's a lot of information. Al, thank you for the call this morning. It's a good thank question. You. Appreciate it. And, and Thanks, Anthony, to th- that point you just made about uh, making kids accountable. Look, we all know that baseball is supposed to be a game, supposed to be fun, even at the youngest ages. But uh, as you just mentioned, if you get a call from a parent, hey, Anthony, you got to come work with my kid. He went over three last night when he's 10 years old. I mean, come on. At some point, the kid begins to understand it is a game based upon failure. And, you know, if you feel that, you know, I'm just I'm not improving, it's upon the youngster to say, okay, I have to figure out what I have to do to improve my swing, you know, how to learn to adapt, how to make adjustments, how to be mentally tough. Uh, and that goes back to what you were saying before that it yeah it, it's a lot of has to do with the mental approach to the to the art of hitting uh, because you are going to fail and even if you go up and you hit four line drives and they're all caught you go for four at least you have to come away knowing that yeah but I hit the ball hard I had I had I, hit, I did a good job at the plate today even though I had nothing to show for it 
Yeah, it's such a it's such a long a long run of at bats in the season. That's why you play so many games because uh-huh. the failure rate, you know, is so high. Over the course of a season, a major league player who plays every day is going to see over three thousand pitches. So it's how can I focus not on the at bats? How can I focus pitch to pitch? Manage my downtime of thoughts when I'm on defense. Manage in between each pitch or what I'm trying to do. And a lot of times when kids are training all winter, even major league players, like we're so consumed with ourselves and our swing, you know, are we thinking about team stuff? Are we thinking about situations? So the first time they make an out, they run back and want to find out what's wrong with their swing when uh, maybe I was trying to pull the ball. Maybe I was afraid to get beat, so I opened up my front side and it was a curveball and it went away and I missed it. And, and somebody's going to bark out mechanics when it was, I was just afraid to get jammed. Um, so well, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. I mean, the fact is today, you know, kids, first of all, most young kids don't understand that it is a, is a, the reason why the season is so long with so many games is because you're going to see, you're supposed to see a lot of pitches and a lot of at bats, but you know, and this is a slippery slope, you know, even at the, at the minor league level or the college level, if a kid has a, has a, what considers a, well, I went 0 for 4 or 0 for 8 over the course of two games, mm-hmm. I better change my stroke because I'm not getting any hits. And you say, whoa, 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 why would you change your stroke? You look, you look fine at the plate. You just not, the balls aren't dropping in or the guy's making a good play in the field. But as soon as you start changing your, your stroke, that's going to take you in the wrong direction. Then you really will be in a slump. And before you know it, you're really going to be mired and, and you know, fighting to get some playing time. It, it's, it's something that kids have to cope with and learn about and understand it's a common kind of ailment. Right, let, me, let, me, let me take a pause here. We're talking, of course, this morning with the Chicago Cubs hitting coach, Anthony Iapose, who was uh, born and bred out of a story in New York. And um, how, before we finish today, I want to talk to you about playing in the cold weather and what, what you can tell kids about that as well. But first, let me take a timeout. One eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. As always, I ask you to check out my uh, my website and blog at askcoachwolf.com. And by the way, I mentioned a few minutes ago uh, the conversation I used to have with uh, with Jim Tomei uh, when he was in the minors with the Indians, and even Manny Ramirez uh, when he was struggling as his first-year ball player with the Indians uh, in the minors, and other big league hitters. All these stories uh, I've tried to put into my book, uh, Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed. Uh, so if you have a youngster who's an aspiring ball player, uh, it makes a makes it's good reading, and I think they'll that uh, he'll enjoy what they have to learn about the mental approach uh, to baseball. My guest this morning is Anthony Iapose, who is the hitting coach for the Chicago Cubs. And we'll get right back to our calls. Let's go to uh, Jack uh, Jack Smithlin over in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Jack, good morning. Rick, how are you? Good, Jack. Um, before, before I say hello to Anthony, you said it's good reading. It's actually great reading. So, you know, anybody that's listening to this um, – you know, when you're talking about the mental part of athletics and baseball, um, I found your book to be the best I've ever read. Oh, and thank, your, thank you, Jack. Your, your mentor's book was the second, and we were talking about when Anthony – hello, Anthony, how are you? Hey, good morning, great. Thanks for coming on calling. Yep. Well, you know what? It's, it's funny because I, I've been studying hitting now for about 20 years. I had a son who played pro ball with the Cardinals and the Padres, another one who played at Penn State and, and let it go. But, you know, there's so many things I would love to sit and talk to you about. And, and a lot of times I talk to Rick about him because, you know, he was a, he played at the pro level. And then, the, like I said, the book he read was unbelievable. But 
your 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 mentor said it best when you're walking from that on deck circle into the batter's box. Clear your head, get your mind into it, and and he said it best. Total concentration is the ability to think about nothing, and that's what you got to do when you get into the box is just see it and react. But my question to you is is this. I've been studying hitting for a long time, and there's so many hitting coaches that I've talked to that do not understand the difference between rotational and linear hitting. And what I've been teaching now for 18 years regularly is, is rotational hitting, shifting the weight from the back to the front without that high kick and, and that stride into the ball and moving the head because it's so important that we keep our eyes uh, uh, and our heads still so that we don't have to look at a moving ball with moving eyes. But, you know, there's so many things that that don't relate. But what's your thought on rotational versus linear hitting? I, I think and this is, you know, this is going to be a weird answer. But for me, it's both. It depends on the hitter and who we're talking is, with. Yeah. You know, some, sometimes we're going to have to talk about being linear and being straight and being direct and being calmer to the ball. And then there's some other right. guys that where, especially when we're teaching the swing, when we get them in the minor leagues where – uh, we need some looseness, some rhythm. We, we're going to get their leg up. We're going to get off the backside a little bit. And then just to learn their swing and learn their body uh, like they did when they, were, when they were a kid before they got harnessed into thinking they don't have to move as much. And then you reel them back in. So you, you do some drills to where, yeah, I'm going to release my backside. My back foot's going to get off the ground sometimes. Uh, I'm going to leg kick every once in a while. But then we reel them back in to how to take, to take, the, take the, that feeling of power in your swing and learn to minimize that back. You watch major league hitters when they mm -hmm. first come up, and their moves are really big and strong. And then over time, they learn to minimize, and they learn to do less. Uh, you know, the whole saying, less is more. But it's hard for a kid, it's hard for anybody in hitting to do less and still feel powerful. So you have to provide them right. back and your confidence that, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to do some more, but then we're going we're gonna to keep that thought and do a little bit less with our movements because, like you said, the ball's moving – you know, just an example right. at the major league level. At the major level, it's the highest velocity it's ever seen in the history of the game. It's the most breaking balls that it's seen in the history of the game. So you're trying to minimize those moves and still provide power to hit it through the infield because everybody can catch the ball. And they, like, the defense is so good. These guys, that was one of the things I learned at Big League. Like, you get, you get a hit and you're like, yay, and then the guy's, like, making a bad play and Simmons is throwing you out. Two of a backhand jump throw. Um so, you know, whether it's linear or rotational, it's, just, it's so individual-based. Not every swing in yep. the history of the game is the same. There's common denominators, some things that good hitters do, um, and it's learning from each hitter uh, things that we need to do to help us put us in a strong position to hit when the ball comes and lay out my, my swing as much as possible. Jack, uh, thank you as always. Let me, let me move on. My time is short. You're more than welcome, Rick. Thanks, Jack. Talk to you thanks, soon. Man. You bet. Anthony, I, I do have to ask you, because obviously I mentioned the fact that you grew up in Astoria. Uh, you know, we, we live in a, in a cold-weather climate. Obviously, Chicago, Wrigley Field's cold. I mean, kids today know that when you go out to play baseball in the spring, it's going to be cold, and it's hard to, to hit a baseball when the temperatures are in the 40s and the wind's blowing. Uh, I'm sure you went through this when you were you know, playing as a kid, do you have any advice to young hitters who don't want to get the, you know, get the bumblebees in their hands when, when, when they get jammed on a pitch? Yeah, go outside. It's, it's such a huge advantage. I mean, you're playing other sports when it's cold. And, and if you already know that it's going to be cold, 
Uh, my hands are going to get cold. It's going to sting the bat when I don't square it, square it up. You already know those types of things yep. that that's going to happen. Then just go out and play and not complain about it. The only way you're going to get better is by going outside and working on the things and playing it, regardless of the weather. You know, it doesn't have you don't have to stand out there for hours. But you know, football players do it. You know, people playing basketball just go out there with the ball in the bat. That's fine. I think I always looked at it as a kid, and it helped me keep a, a chip on my shoulder. Um, I always thought, you know, people always telling you, you know, you can't play, you're from the Northeast, right. it's too cold, they don't train as much, um, which I think is totally false. And you're just setting up the kid for failure on how they think. And then you're giving the other guys from around the country and around the world too much credit. They get to train all year round, they get to do this and that. And then you look around, you're like, wait a second, this guy's in the major leagues, he's from New York, or he's from the city, he's from New Jersey, he's from so- Massachusetts. I mean, I had so, the same kind of approach. You basically made it into sort of a mental edge to say, look, I'm tougher than kids who grew up where it's warm and no sunny. No doubt. No doubt. I was like, make it colder. Because then you start, <laughs> to, you start to see kids kind of break down. As soon as, as soon as you hear an opponent go, it's too cold, or you see him shivering out there, yeah. you're like, I got, I got him. You know what I mean? So you, you take that advantage, and you stay positive with it, and you like, make it colder. I'm gonna, I'll perform you. And that's the kind of what we have to teach the kids in the – in the Northeast is, is just to use that as your advantage to stay hungry and, and, and use the cold as, as an edge. Okay. Interesting perspective. Yeah. Let me go quickly to, uh, <laughs> let me go to Marcelo up in Westchester County. Marcelo, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning, Anthony. How are you? Morning. I'd just like to get your, your opinion and comment on a teaching technique that I was given probably 40 years ago by a coach, and I've used it in a couple of different sports with young kids. And that being a lot of people concentrate on what you're doing wrong and kids will often ask what did i do wrong or what am i doing wrong this coach of mine said forget about what they're doing wrong just show them tell them the right way to do it and um that being because the the negative gets imprinted on the person's mind and they worry too much about that wrong thing that they're doing do you focus on something like that at your level and what's your comment on that yeah, fo- focusing on something is a powerful thing, right? If you focus on what you want to do and how you want to accomplish something, you got a chance of being good at it. But also focus is powerful in the negative to where you can pick apart your swing. And oh, I'm very um, about picking apart a player's swing, especially a young kid, because there's a lot of moving parts. And if you pick out something that's really tough to, to fix at that time that you know is going to take years of swings, um, they're always going to look at that and they're always going to look about what I'm doing wrong, what I'm doing wrong, because as a hitter, that's all you're being told is what you're doing wrong. <laughs> you know, so you want to focus on how to improve. It's not in, you know, in the changing your swing game. It's how do I keep improving my game? How do I keep getting better? So you want to work on your strength as much as you work on your weaknesses. I've had players that go in offseason work on their weakness and totally lose their strength, hmm. you know? So it's, it's mastering my strength, it's dominating my strength. will still continue to work on my weakness. And, and whatever that weakness is, even up to the big league, it's still with them. It's just minimized. Mm. You know what I mean? Whether it's a swing thing, whether it's a mindset thing that creeps in there. So you're, you, especially with, with hitting a baseball, the amount of failure um, is telling them how to improve why you want to improve. These are the things that are going to help you improve. These are the things that are why we're doing it because in today's, Today's game with the kids, you got to really explain why you're doing it. They're going to want to know. They're going to want to 
ask questions of why they're doing certain things. So yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely. Marcel, that's a fine observation and a good question. Thank you for uh, for checking in today. I appreciate it. Thanks. Have a good day. Uh, you too, uh, Anthony. Uh, you know, I could obviously talk to you this topic uh, for hours and hours. Uh, to me, of course, it's personally fascinating. I've been through the myself as a player. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, of course, the metal side as well. I, I just um, I just want to thank you, first of all, for coming on the show uh, early on a Sunday morning to, to share your thoughts and comments. I, I just find it to be terrific insights, and um, I thank you. And uh, obviously, uh, good luck with the Cubs this season. That should be great fun for you, and, and um, by all means, that, that's, uh, let's stay in touch. Rick, absolutely. And one shout-out to – I got a shout-out to Monsignor McClancy High School in Jackson Heights. Great baseball program, 1991 city championships. Uh, it's still one of the, the best uh, highlights of my baseball career. And, and uh, great school, great staff there. Just just wanted to give them some props because uh, that's kind of what made made you who you are. Practicing outside the, the high school field at 25 degrees when you didn't want to go out there. So, <laughs> well, there's, those, as yeah. you said, uh, Monsignor McClancy High School. Obviously, you're one of the star players there, and obviously, you know, their pride and joy as an alum. But uh, yeah, just had a, you've had a great a career in, in baseball, and uh, I'm just so thrilled you could take a few moments this morning to, to join us. So thank you. Yeah, man, looking forward to it again, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for all the callers. Thanks, Anthony. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. That's uh, Anthony Iapoche, the, the new hitting coach for the uh, Chicago Cubs. Let me take a short pause. I'll be back. Stay with me. Back here on the Sports Edge, yeah, I just want to, uh, you know, give a shout out again to Anthony Iapoche, who is obviously a terrifically talented hitting coach uh, now with the Chicago Cubs. Uh, I really wanted to get his perspective because, uh, you know, as we get closer to the springtime and kids are now looking and with, along with their coaches and parents to talk about hitting, whether it's a baseball or softball, you know, there's always so much emphasis about the, the physical approach to, to that activity. And, of course, it involves tremendous amount of skill, tremendous amount of eye-hand coordination, and a lot of patience and a lot of work and effort. But as Anthony uh, and I were talking about, and, and I know he's a big proponent of this, the mental side is often overlooked. Uh, when your youngster starts to get involved with, with, with hitting, even at a young age, it's almost incumbent upon you to teach uh, him or her about the mental approach, that this is a very difficult, you know, kind of activity. It's, it's, it's very challenging. There's going to be a tremendous amount of failure when it comes to hitting a baseball. And, and even if you hit the ball well, it could be, you know, caught by a fielder and it's, a, it's an out and it, you have nothing to show for it. But the fact of the matter remains that you have to re- – the sooner you can teach your youngster about the, the mental, the psychological approach to the sport – that's critically important. I'm also glad Anthony mentioned about the video aspects. Yeah, video is, is one of those great technological developments that uh, you should use with your youngster. You know, tape them when they're in the batting cage or when they're in a game, and you can, they can go back and study on their own. They can see for themselves because for so many kids, the, the visual uh, element, the aspect, the component is a great, great teaching skill that they can really benefit from. So use all those skills uh, as you get your youngster involved in the process. But again, it's something to really keep in mind, again, not just the physical element, but the mental approach as well, because that becomes so critically important, as I guarantee you, all hitters go through slumps, all hitters begin to question their batting stroke, and they have to have the mental toughness 
to get through those tough times. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Pete Kennedy. Please stick around for Football Sunday. I'll see you next week right here on the Sports Edge. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.